Go ahead and stand today. And we'll pray and we'll get started. All right. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. We just, uh, we come to you today, Lord, humbled, um, ready and focused, God, to worship you and to be in your presence today, Lord. God, I thank you for um, the lives that you're going to change today. I pray that you would set our hearts and our minds on you right now, Lord, that we would be able to just, just relish in your presence, God, and to just spend some time with you and to focus on you today. We love you, God, and we thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. In the name of Jesus, I pray.
focus our hearts, we focus our minds on you right now, God. There's nothing else that matters right now but you. This is the time, this is the moment, God, that we have come to gather together, God, to give you honor and to give you praise, Lord. Just be in this place. Let your spirit fill this place right now, Lord Jesus. Thank you,
the weight of your family on your shoulders, the burden of life sucking your soul out of you. There's something so much greater, such a, an amazing plan that he has already worked out and it's already coming to pass. If we would just take the step into it and say, I believe you, God. I believe what your word says. I believe that every problem, every failure, every situation has to bow at the name of Jesus. Every tongue will confess the name of Jesus. Everything is in your control, God, and we believe you today, Jesus. Jesus to break every chain to break every chain 
break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain, break every Break every chain, break every 
that God would move, that God would break through, that people would start to realize that there is a God and that he loves them. He has not forsaken them. He has not left us behind. It does not matter what is happening, all the turmoil. That's just a distraction from what God is doing right now. So I encourage you as we pray right now to lift your voice, speak speak life into your situation speak life into this this country speak life into your family god we come before you right now in the name of jesus we come before you into your presence god and we speak from authority from heavenly places god into the dark situations of this world into the dark places of our country the places of our family god the sickness god the, the disease that's just going through this this church God through this country God we come against it we bind it in the name of Jesus God we lay it all at your feet God I pray for every single person in this room God who is feeling lonely who who's feeling God that, that they can't find you God that they're asking where are you God I pray in this though this moment God that you would find them God that you would wrap your arms around them God and you would say here I am I pray that this church would be a light to this city God that every person here God would be used by you to go out to make a difference God that people would seek you God that they would find you knowing that you are here God that you are moving through your people God God we pray for what's going on right now in Houston Lord we know people are in distress God that there are people who have died that there are people who need you right now God I pray that you would send the workers God send the people that they need God send the prayers that they need God to them release the angels God on their behalf God to move in that situation God to let the waters recede God and to let your glory be in that land again God we pray for our government right now Lord we pray for people in positions of power that they would use wisdom from heaven God that you would give them the wisdom God to make good decisions for our country that it would trickle down God through every single state God through the, the governments and state God that it would trickle down God that it would just affect every family Lord that everyone would start to turn back to you God because it would come from the top down and God we come to you today with humble hearts knowing that you are still working God you are still moving you have not given up God and we will not give up I pray today that today would not be a situation God of of coming to you God with just brokenness God but that you would strengthen us God strengthen us God to keep moving to carry your light to carry your word to this world God the lost the broken the hurting God the people that need you we believe we believe God there is power in the name of Jesus that can move mountains that can raise people from the dead that can heal sick in one moment that can turn a lost loved one back to you in an instant we still believe God that there is power in the name of Jesus move here today among us God move among your people God strengthen us God give us a courage and a boldness God to go out from this place new and encouraged and fresh in you to make a difference God where it's really needed the lost the hurting the broken in this world the people that need you God let us not waste that light let's sing it one more time there is power in the name of Jesus we believe it 
in the name of Jesus. Come on, sing it like you mean it. There is power Let's hear it. in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. One more time, one more time. Sing, there is power in the name of Jesus. There's power. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain. Come on. Can you give up some praise for that today? Thank you, Come Jesus. On, Hallelujah. We honor you, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Good morning. Say good morning. Tell your neighbor good morning. You're like, good morning. I've already said hi to you three times, but I'll say it again. Welcome to Hill City Church. Everyone doing well? Be free, be free. I liked Alan when he moved into the middle. His, the words were all over his chest. It was like, break every chain. It was cool. You didn't know that, Alan. But um, man, I love doing church with you guys. It's so fun. Um, good to welcome to Hill City Church. If it's your first time, welcome. Um, just so glad to have you. If there's any questions, if you're new, uh, anybody with a Hill City shirt on or the Welcome Center, we're here to answer any questions you guys may have. Um, I just want to say... Uh, uh, we are not a, I'm going to go somewhere with this. Uh, we're not a, say, be the church. When I say be the church, that doesn't mean uh, come to us. This doesn't make you feel bad, but don't come on a Sunday morning and just be here, right? Um, did you guys see the, uh, the Broncos? I uh, got a Broncos hat back there. They're 4-0. Nobody cares because it's preseason, right? <laughs> I see people post on Facebook, I'm at a Bronco game. Like, you're at a preseason game. Like, you're basically watching them practice. Uh, I guess a little bit better in Dove Valley, but uh, <laughs> the Broncos are 4-0, but it just doesn't matter, right? Uh, everybody knows, oh, maybe it does matter. They got to figure out who to cut. Uh, that's always a good thing. But I love it. Our, our growth track is about to start today with Mark over here. And um, so growth track is our membership class. A lot of folks have been through that. And the, he said, we have 18 kids. I'm like, that sounds amazing. Um, 18 kids that will be uh, in there uh, being taken care of. Um, but that's where they're going through, and they're going to beco- uh, become part of Hill City Church and the family and learn what their giftings are, learn how to get involved. And I was just thinking a little bit, like, that's kind of like preseason at Hill City Church, that you're kind of going into, the, into our membership and grow track to kind of learn how to, how to execute and how to live out your faith, right? And through our organization now, Hill City Church is not the only place where you be a Christian. And in in, when I say be the church, that doesn't mean be Hill City Church. Um, but man, I don't want to, we don't want to just be preseason Christians, right? I don't want to just be like, I practice really good. John said this before, like you, te- you know, you tell your kid, uh, my son, uh, tell you, my son knows really, he, he knows how to clean his room, right? But if I said, son, clean your room, he's like, dad, I know how to clean my room well, great, clean your room. But if he goes up and does nothing, he says, I know how to clean it, but I never did it. That's kind of the same of kind of being a preseason Christian. Like, I know how to be a Christian, but are we being a Christian? Are we living this thing out? Are we just being preseason and being like 4-0 on a Sunday morning? And then we're like, oh, what happened to the rest? Um, so um, I'm encouraging you guys this morning. This is not to get you down. But man, 4-0 doesn't matter. We'll see what happens when they play the Raiders. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't have Tino here. He's our Raider, our one Raider fan. No, I'm, I'm kidding. There's probably a few more. But uh, there's probably more online, so... Um, I'm going to pray. Why don't you guys come forward? I hope that message inspired you to give to the church. Amen? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think that's it. So uh, I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to keep going. We're going to hand the reins over to Pastor John. And, uh, man, I just uh, thank you, Jen, for leading us in worship. And, man, those words are powerful, you guys. Break every chain. And uh, I want you to meditate that. Can I just ask you one more thing? Can you just pray for our leadership this week? As you guys, uh, you know, there's bur- uh, this isn't a, like a heavy burden thing or anything, but can you guys just pray for, for us who are trying to lead this thing? Um, man, we do our best. We're flawed. We're messed up. We're a messy family, aren't we? Sometimes, um, like, yeah, we are. Uh, but family's messy, but we love to lead this church and lead it as family. And I pray that you guys, can you guys just pray for us? Um, you know, we need your support, uh, not, just, uh, not just prayer, but even as you go through Grow Track and help grow this thing and help, help us expand and reach our community. That's what we're about. Not just Thornton, but globally uh, and, and across Colorado and all the cool things that we want to do. Uh, man, just pray for us. And uh, we're, we're excited uh, the, the, that, we're, that we're here uh, over a year later. And uh, not that we weren't going to be. But, um, man, we just love you guys so much. And pray for us that we can lead you in the best capacity we can. Amen? God, thank you for this morning. I thank you for the name of Jesus, God, that can break a chain. And I pray that we don't just sing those words lightly, and they're not just trivial. But, God, we believe them. We love you. God, you saved us first so that we may give our lives back to you. You're a beautiful God. A beautiful God. It's a beautiful name of Jesus. And we celebrate you. We worship you this morning, God. And I pray that we go throughout this week praying for our leadership, praying for the church, for our community, for our country, just like Jen was saying, and beyond, Father, that we would be the church. God, we love you. We, we, spend the rest, we will spend the rest of our lives giving our life back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just watch this video with me. because of Jesus' resurrection. We are a new creation. Today, we celebrate as people take their next step and tell the world how Jesus has brought them from death to life. We celebrate because they have a new life in Jesus. They have been made brand new. They are forgiven. They are a new creation. Right. If you have not been baptized and if you have given your life to Christ and the next step is to be baptized, it's just out of obedience. We're doing it September 24th. You can sign up on, on our app or on Facebook. 
You can sign up online. You can also sign up at the table right there. So we have four ways that you can sign up. So, uh, so I believe it's a next step. It's not just something we do just to do, but we, as those who have committed their lives to believe that Jesus has resurrected from the dead and has empowered us, that we commit to him in, in, in baptism as a public declaration of, uh, of what God has done. So that's what we're doing. If you, this is your first time, my name is John. And I just want to welcome the guests to, to Hill City Church. I thank you for being here. If you want some more information, it's out in the guest center. Please get into a life group. Life group is what we do in the middle of the week. It's just groups of people getting together and, and increasing in faith, increasing in life, in community. And that's what we want to do. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark 14. Man, we celebrate the word of God around here because we believe the word of God changes our lives. We absolutely believe that. It's not a word of something I can bring you or something really awesome I can rhyme together. No, it's the word of God that changes our lives because it reveals Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus does. He changes our lives. And so we go there. Today we're continuing the series Meet Jesus in, through the book of Mark. And we are on chapter 14. And this is, uh, I believe, this is sermon 36 or 37. All right? So we've been going through verses by verse and just going through learning and relearning what it means to follow Jesus because sometimes we need to break down what we think following Jesus is and to learn what Jesus says following looks like to continue what he started and to do what he did we are called to do what he did think about that for a moment because we think oh we're just called to like listen to sermons and stuff right no we are called to do what he did and continue his kingdom, his continue his love. So as we are going to Mark 14, I want to share with you today, hope can be found in the hardest of situations. I don't know where you are at life today, but all of us face hard situations. And if you've never faced a moment where you feel like you were coming apart, it's because you're too young. That's right. You're too young. You just don't understand. Because all of us who have lived long enough have been wounded, have been hurt, have been blasted by life. We, have, we understand what desperation is. We understand what it means to be overwhelmed. We know deep sorrow. And in these moments, I want you to know that there is hope. That you are not alone. You are not alone. Some of us in this room, we feel so alone. I don't care if you're smiling at me today. There, there are moments in your life where you feel all alone and you feel like you got to fake it to make it because that's what everyone else is doing. But you'll never make it. We say around here, you'll never make it if you fake it. There is, and it's no good for people to come to church and fake it, sit next to you, how you doing? Blessed, right? We know how to say it. Call each other brother and sister and, and do all these things. But do we mean it? If we are, continue, if we are really family, do, we, do you really know what's going on in my life? Or are we just faking it? The worst thing we can do as a church is to fake it. Because if you fake it, then I have to feel like I have to fake it. All right, Mark, how are you doing? Awesome. Like, couldn't be better. Now, how are you, John? Uh, I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing. You know, I feel like uh, then you're struggling with some of the deepest, darkest things all alone. And the next person fakes it, and the next person fakes it, and it's no good. Here we are family, and we have come to just be vulnerable, and I, vulnerability is absolutely different from transparency. Transparency, I love people. I'm going to be transparent with you, Pam. I'm going to tell you what I think. And, and that's not vulnerability. Vulnerability is always weird, Jim. 
It's always weird. It's like, oh, man, I went through some stuff, and you might judge me on this, but I'm going to tell you. You know, that's how vulnerability looks like. Transparency is like, I'll just tell you what I think, Richard. This is how I'm rolling. I don't care what they think about me. That's not, trend. That's not vulnerability. That's garbage. That's garbage. That's your pride speaking out and trying to be all tough on the inside when you're broken. And everyone else sees it. You can fake it. But dude, people see right through you. People see right through me. They do, even though most of the time I do wear everything on my, on my, on my sleeves. You, know? you can tell when I'm having a bad day because I'll tell you, I'm having a horrible day. <laughs> horrible. But we all face these moments, right? And I just want you to know that Jesus is with you and Jesus is for you. For the Christian, for those who believe and are struggling, I want to encourage you to continue going. I want to encourage you to persevere in times of trouble and hold on to Jesus. And for those who are new to faith or checking this thing out, I want you to consider Jesus. Next time you are struggling, I want you to cry out to him and for hope and for strength because he's there. So in Mark 14, it takes us to a place called Gethsemane. I, I can barely say that word. Gethsemane, all right? That's right. And it's a time of during Passover time. This is a major time during uh, the season for, uh, for the people of Israel, for the Jews. And uh, Judas has already betrayed Jesus. He's on his way to betray him. Jesus knows this. He's been sold out for 40 pieces of silver, right? And that's some big money. And now Jesus is taking his boys, his disciples, to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's in the Kidron Valley, right across from Jerusalem, right out the city. And it's in an olive grove. This was their place that they would go to get away from people when they were tired. This was the place that they would go to. It was their secret place, their, their base, their hideout. You know, when you were a kid, you, you had a hideout. I don't know if kids here have a hideout. You know, online, you're like, meet here on, on Halo. Yeah, that's, that's your hideout. Okay. It, we used to have real hideouts, all right, <laughs> where you would see, meet me by the, the, the third tree in the forest, right? We would know where to go. And, and I remember we would, we would have a hideout when I was a kid, right? When I was a kid. Man, I can't believe I'm saying that. When I was a kid, right? But it was their secret place. I'm going to start reading verse 32. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And these were his closest people. These were the people that were supposed to support him in major crisis. And then all of a sudden, he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. So you, this comes out at once. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Another translation said he plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. He told them, I feel bad enough right now that I could die. Now stay here and watch. He went a little further and he fell on the ground. I don't know if you've ever seen this in real life when someone goes through such tragedy that they literally fall to the ground because the internal agony comes out in an external reaction. Have you ever, ever seen that? I get to do funerals and things like that or I'm at moments where someone is passing away. And there are moments where people cannot, when they hear the news, they literally melt to the floor. I don't know if you've ever been there or ever heard the news. And I want to share with you a personal one that has happened to my family. I remember when uh, years ago, Candace's mom was visiting us. 
her grandfather was at home and he was he had cancer but he was he was winning he was beating this battle of cancer and she was over checking out the kids for the first time in a long time for she was taking care of her father so candace's mom is over at our place and we just had sianna i believe and i could be wrong but i believe we just had sianna and we got that phone call that candace's grandfather was driving at night and he missed the turn and he flew off the road and he was killed and when she received that call i could i remember just the, the cries of almost like torment inside i know some of you guys have faced it and she fell to the ground and it's it, this is un, it's not it's not audible you could just it is like everything has fallen to the floor. She melted in such pain. And my wife was crying. There were so many tears, and I'm almost emotionless. I don't even know what to do in this moment. I just, I just, just watched them, that phone call. And it, was, I, it still invokes this uneasiness in my heart. But this is what's going on here. Jesus has fallen to the ground, sobbing in agony. Verse 35, he went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed and begged. And he said, if this were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, or Dad, I know all things are possible for you. You can do anything, God. You can do anything, Father. So take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not I will, what I will. But your will be done. Then he found them, those guys sleeping. He said, Peter, Simon, are you sleep? Are you for real? He looks, are you for real? Like, couldn't you know, could you watch this one more hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. You don't know what's going on, but the spirit, I know your spirit is indeed willing, but your flesh is weak. And again, he went and prayed and spoke the same words. Dad, take this cup from me but not my will, God. So you can feel this internal exchange, this battle within Jesus' heart. And when he returned, they're sleeping again, and this time they had no excuse, it says. They didn't know how to answer him. Verse 41, then he went away a third time, and he begged and said to them, came back, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Jesus kind of like wipes himself off. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. That's the word of God. Today, we're peeking into a very holy moment. Never in else in the Bible have you ever seen Jesus this way. Never. Never, ever, ever. Nowhere else in the Bible have you seen Jesus so feeble. And I say this very reverently. I don't just say, oh, Jesus is feeble. No, I'm telling you, nowhere else in the Bible have you ever seen Jesus on display like this. I mean, have, have you ever seen Jesus so fragile that he feels like he's going to die, so scared that he's about to run or he doesn't know what to do? It's unexpected. It's really confusing when you read 
this, these verses. I'm used to like bold and heroic Jesus, like brave heart Jesus, you know, who throws, who's like freedom Jesus, you know, that Jesus, like that Frodo going to Mount Doom Jesus, like I got this ring, I got to accomplish what God accomplished, right? Come on, Samwise Gandhi, come with me. We're, we're used to that sort of Jesus facing the challenge, confronting opposition. This dude walks on water in the middle of the storm. He's the guy who casts out demons like a boss, right? He raises Lazarus with a snap of his finger when he says, Lazarus, come on, wake up, wake up. This You have never seen Jesus in this state. Never, ever, ever. He's never shaken. He's never missing a beat. But here we find Jesus weeping in a, as a total mess, falling on the floor, begging, begging Jesus here. Begging Jesus. I'm telling you, you've never seen Jesus like this. Now, if you were writing a biography like Mark was, and you're trying to convince people that Jesus is God and you need to follow him, this is not what you write. Think about this for a moment. You leave this kind of stuff out when you're writing a, a biography of someone that you are trying to present as God. Aren't, isn't that right? You don't, you don't uh, and he begged and begged and begged and fell on the floor and started weeping. You don't write that stuff in. And I know as Americans, we're like, that's so honest. I love it. You know, he's so vulnerable. You know, how honest is he? But to the readers of that day, to the Jews and to the Greeks and to the Romans, they were like, that is despicable. Never, ever have they ever heard of a God begging and weeping and asking and falling on his knees. This is outrageous. This is pathetic. Then why would Mark write such a thing? Why would, you, why would Mark make Jesus so problematic that he begs three times? It doesn't help anything, right? Why did he do this? I can only think of one reason. Because it happened. Because that's what happened. When you, when you see, they didn't make this stuff. Why would you even write that in unless that happened? Three times begging? No one would write that in. See, let's dig a little deeper. So Jesus all of a sudden is hit with this pure torment, and he literally thinks he will die. But what causes such a response in Christ? What causes this response? What did he see? What did he experience in that moment that crumples him, that horrifies him? And then he shouts, Dad, our Father, take this cup from me if it's possible, please. Oh, no, 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 but not my will. Your will be done with no response. Every other time Jesus cries out to the Father, the Father responds. Even publicly during Jesus' baptism, the Father's voice responds, This is my Son, and I am well pleased. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus, the Father speaks, This is my Son. Listen to this guy. And this time Jesus is crying out to his dad. And you, you who are fathers, when your son is crying out to you, can you imagine in his worst day that we just turn away? Can you imagine how destroyed the son could be? And some of us in this room, we have cried out to dad, and they have turned away, and we know what it means to be abandoned. And in this moment, Jesus was recklessly abandoned. Jesus turning away, no response from the father, and, 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 and he was completely cut off from God. And even his closest friends, they were sleeping in his worst time. What an utter 
He was utterly alone. He was utterly alone. So have you ever felt alone? Anyone in this room have ever felt alone? Like, man, all just, just alone. And trusted friends have turned on you. A spouse has betrayed you. Your parent has failed you. Your kids refuse to see you. Jesus felt that. And not just alone, but rejected in his greatest time of need. A theologian named William Lane writes in this moment, this is the horror of the one who lived for holy for the father, who came to be with his father for a brief time before his death and found hell rather than heaven open before him. Which means, this is what he's saying, in Jesus turns to his father, and instead of being accepted, he is totally rejected. Instead of heaven opening up and empowering, hell opens up, and he stares into it, and he almost dies. And I want to ask you, how serious is hell that when Jesus looks into it just for a moment, he feels like he's going to die? I know we like to make levity of hell. But Jesus does not. Hell is so a place of wrath. It's so a place distant from God that Jesus cannot even take looking into it. It's just, it's dumb. It just takes me, I don't understand it. That's how much we understand hell. You don't. You think hell is bad. It's way worse than you can ever think of. That Jesus freaks out. Many times I used to read this passage and I thought it was the cross that broke Jesus. I thought he was weeping because he thought, oh man, the cross is on its way. But he never says, take this cross from me. What does he say? Take this cup from me. And in the Bible, this is what the cup represents. The cup represents the fullness of God's wrath. Everywhere in the Bible, it represents the fullness of God's wrath. Isaiah 51, 17, it says, wake up, wake up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk the cup of the Lord's fury. You have drunk the cup of terror, tipping it out to its last drop. The cup is the wrath of God. It's what Jesus took on himself to save us. It's where Jesus had to go to the depths of to love us. The gospel at its core, its substitution, Jesus in my place. Say it, Jesus in my place. I'm going to say it one more time. Jesus in my place. And say it with me, guys. Jesus in my place. I want you to remember that. He took my cup and drank God's wrath to the last drop so I didn't have to. He drank my wrath that was for me so that I wouldn't need to face it. 2 Corinthians 5.21, many of us have heard it. For our sake he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus in my place. That's the core of Christianity, that I get to live this life that he has offered to me now and forever because Jesus took my place. He took my penalty. He took the cup. He took my wrath. And, and our expression from this should be such gratefulness think of that hell that you can't really think of and if he took that for you what expression does he deserve from us what does he deserve from us and I know as Americans we don't like wrathful God people have told me so many times I don't really believe in a God of wrath right I believe in a God of love John the Bible says God is love yeah that's true right 
But guess what? Loving people are full of wrath. Right? Just, just, just hit one of your, hit a new mother's kid. See what happens. She'll punch you in the eye. She will. Loving people are full of wrath. And the amount that you love your daughter is the amount of wrath you have inside for whoever messes with your daughter. The amount, see, I love my wife. You ask my kids, who does dad love? She'd be like, mom. Who does, mom, who does dad love most, Sianna? Mom, right? And they know it. And if anyone speaks against my wife or uh, hurts my wife, guess what boils in my heart? Wrath. The amount of love I have for my, uh, for my wife is in direct uh, proportion to the amount of wrath that I will give out. And that is true. Talk to any mama bear. Talk to someone you scratch their new car or their new shoes they bought. A teenager bought new Jordans. Step on their shoes. Man, they freak out. And you're like, shut up. <laughs> right? You didn't even buy those Jordans. Your auntie did. Like, shut your mouth. Those are made in China. Those are fake anyway. But the amount of love determines the amount of wrath. So don't tell me that God is all loving with no wrath. Because the opposite of, of love is not wrath. The opposite of love is apathy. When you don't even care. Man, the opposite of love, this is apathy, man. Like, do whatever you want with your life, Richard. I don't care, man. That's your life. That's not loving, Richard. Oh, those are your mistakes. Go ahead, dude. I don't care. Get away from me. That's apathy. That's the opposite of love. When you don't care. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah, kids, make whatever decision you want. You were grown up enough to make those decisions. Right? That's why you're there, parents. That's why we're here to lead them. The opposite of love is apathy. See, now God loves you and me, and he loves his creation so much that he won't stand back saying, I don't care, do, what, do whatever you want. I don't do it, it's not my life. No, it's the opposite is true. God intervenes, he sends his only son to come face the wrath and the anger of God in my place. The cross is a symbol of love, and we are valuable to God, so loved by God. Now we can do, now what do we do when we face the deepest and darkest times? What can we get out of Gethsemane next time we face rejection, abandonment, in the darkest of days? Number one, never get over the love of God. I know many of us in this room, we, we man, someone kill that cricket. Wrath, wrath, because I love you. Just turn the hot water on. I know, it's, it's horrible. I just don't love crickets. But I want to remind us Christians in this room, don't get over the love of God. Some of us, we are over the love of God, and you're looking for something else. You're looking for something other than Jesus to fulfill you. And I'm telling you, there is not. There's a, there's a saying in the Bible that says, your love is better than life. Have you ever said that before? Your love is better than life. 
And it says that. David says that about Jesus. And you can only say that when you have experienced such a love, such a joy, such a peace, where you face God and you pray to God and say, your love is better than life. And we can't say that because we have not. God, we have gotten over the cross. We have gotten over Jesus. And we have said, what's next? I'll tell you what's next. It's more Jesus. We don't worship Jesus to get things. We worship Jesus to get more Jesus. We don't pray to Jesus so he answers our prayer. We pray to Jesus for more Jesus. We serve others not so that we can feel good about ourselves. We serve others for more Jesus. We want more Jesus. Your love is better than life, God. And until you get to this place, you will never understand the depth of the love of God for you. You can never love this world like God has loved this world. It's not in you yet until you get a hold of Jesus. I'm telling you, get a hold of Jesus. Get a hold of him. Stay focused on him because he becomes your power to overcome anything in life. He humbles you. He makes you thankful. He thinks peaceful. He fills you with love and hope. Knowing Jesus is so much more. He did think about this. He did not even run away. I think about this thought. Why did God show Jesus? Why did the Father show Jesus the wrath of God before the cross? Well, isn't that like, ooh, Jesus could have ran away. Jesus could have been like, oh man, I saw hell. Peace. Like, actually, you're not really worth that much. No, why did he do it? And it says it, it, this guy named um, John Edwards, he writes this, this horror of the one who lived holy for the Father. No, this, I'm sorry, I read that already. John Edwards, right here, I'm already lost. He wrote, it was so that we could see Jesus go to the cross voluntarily, knowing full well that what he was about to experience, so that his love for us would be put on display even more. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or the author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat at the right hand of the throne of God. He said, for the joy set, what was the joy set before Christ? It was us, guys. In that moment, in that garden, he could have bailed. How many times? Have we looked at an issue or a problem or a disaster and says, man, Bobby's too much of a wreck. I'm not running into that. But he looked at my wreck. He looked at Gio's wreck. And he looked at Eric's wreck. And he says, I'm running into it, man. I'm running. I'm, I'm going right at you. Kristen, I'm going right into your life. He's saying, I'm going right there. Can you imagine? He said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. You are the joy set before Christ. He saw you. He saw me. He believed in us. He loved us. Number two, we have hope in our darkest hours because Jesus faced hell and rejection in my place. I will never fear being abandoned by God because he was abandoned for us already. He, he, he was abandoned to bring us near. We will never be alone again. Never alone. Say never alone. 
In Psalms 23, it says, When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. That when I face my deepest sorrows, you are with me. And your goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life because he took my sin and wrath. And if you feel far from God today, if you feel alone today, if you feel like giving up, I'm telling you, you're not far from God. Don't believe it. This God crossed the universe to get to you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. You have hope. As we close today, let's stand. Like Paul said, Jesus didn't do all this so we can be pre-season Christians, guys. He didn't do all this. He didn't go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't get head to the cross so that we could go to church and wear Christian t-shirts and run away from our world. No, Jesus did all this to empower his church, to empower you. The Christian should be the most empowered person on this earth when they know that all of hell, that Jesus, that they're the one they follow went to hell itself so that they could, he could come after us. What could stop us if you know that this God would go to hell itself to come after you? It says that who could separate you from this God's love? It should empower us so that you could face the stress and sorrows of life and that you could help others face with their sorrows and their stresses of life. We are called to run into this world. If we are not running into people's lives and we say, this is my life and this is your life. If you don't got messy, I know we don't want too messy, but I'm telling you, life is messy. Life is messy. And Christians, we choose life to be messy. I know some of you guys are absolute control freaks and you want to control messy. You can't, man. You want to say, oh, I want to be in your life as long as you're good. As long as things are put together. That's garbage. That's not, that's making, saying, you got to meet my expectations. That's Pharisee kind of love. You got to meet my expectations to be loved, Q. When God saw our crap and said, I'm coming after you. I love you. When God saw our deepest sin, if there was a television on our foreheads to, to, to show all our thoughts, man, you are, we are disgusting. We are judging people. We are full of lust. We are full of lies and anger. I'm telling you, we are not that good. We could fake it, but I'm telling you, in the eyes of God who can see straight to the soul, he sees us as we are. And we are not that awesome. And if you know that that God would come after you, I, I know who I am. I'm a mess, man. There's some darkness in me that God is still working out. And if that God is coming after me with all my failures, all my anger, all my lust, and he's working things out in me, I'm telling you that God it can come after you and change your life. So I want to ask us today, is what you're pursuing in life worthy of this sacrifice? Straight up, not easy, not an easy question. But what you are pursuing in life is it worthy of Jesus? Is it worthy of Gethsemane? Is it worthy of the sacrifice? Do we live with eternity in mind, with Jesus in mind, that one day that people will face this hell, this wrath? Do we think about it? How can we 
be Jesus to them. Continue what Jesus has started at work, on the bus, or in our homes. If Gethsemane is true, then my priorities have to be different. And I'm not saying tomorrow just be Mr. Incredible, right? I'm not saying tomorrow, like, fake it and be Mr. Incredible. I'm just saying be credible. Be credible. You don't need to be incredible. Just be credible. Be a person of your word. Like, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Be a, be a person that isn't inwardly focusing, what do I get out of this? It's funny, and I heard this the other day. It's people are like, God, please use me. God, please use me. And the church says, man, we need some people to help us out. And then it's like, I don't want to help out. They're using me. How crazy is that? We pray for God to use me. Then when you get used, you're like, they're using me. Exactly. Exactly. Let God break you in those things. God, make us credible. Let us be a person of our word. Let us go to work on time. Let's then be at work and give our best. Let's be a credible student, right? Being a credible business leader, a credible mother, teacher, and a friend. Christians should not, I couldn't even think of the word, right? Uh, Christians should not suck. I couldn't think of another word. You can give me another word, but I, could, I couldn't think of We should be the, be the people that people look to and say, man, that person is solid. Your boss looks at you and says, you know, I need some insight because you are credible. Be credible. I'm not saying be perfect, but strive to be credible. Make the name of Jesus credible through your life. Your talk has to match our walk. We can start by praying to Jesus in the morning every day. God, I represent you. I open my life for whatever you want to do in my life today. I obey and then obey when he speaks. It's funny. God, use me. God, I represent you. And then he tells us to do something. No, that's too hard. No, that's too foolish. Give me something better. I'm telling you, he's not going to give you something better. He's going to start you at the bottom, right? Who is faithful in a little, will be faithful in much. When you're not even faithful in the little things, you're not going to get much. Man, trust him. Let Gethsemane empower your faith, your praise. When you're praising in this place, don't give a weak praise. Let's not sing weak songs to Jesus. This is, the, this is the Christ that went to hell and back for us. How can we praise him like, oh, let's, these songs are okay. Man, just worship like you need to worship, guys. I'm not telling you you have to worship, but I'm telling you, you have to worship, right? Why hold back from God so that, oh, uh, this is all I got. This is all you got. This is me being transparent, John. Man, give God your best, your hope, your love. Number two, have you personally trusted Jesus today? This is an offer, a gift. It has to be received personally in faith. Today, I hope you trust Jesus with your life. Let's pray. Can you play? Let's sing one time. One more time, there's power. Because there is power 
in the name of Jesus. If you need chains broken, just raise your hand. God, this is me. Break the chains, Lord God. Break the sorrows, the depression, the desperation, the hardship, the rejection. And fill me with your love, God. Come on, break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. This is how we're going to go one more time. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. There is power. One last time. There is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, you're powerful. There is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, there is power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain. 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 Heavenly Father, I pray for every marriage, God, every heart, every depression. Lord God, that you will break every chain, every bondage, every bondage to pornography, to lust, for those who are just, Lord, on the edge of just the precipice of falling away from you. I pray, grab a hold of their hearts, knowing, God, that you stared into hell for us and grabbed a hold of wrath, that it almost killed you in the garden, God. In that same kind of love that's coming after us, God, I pray, break every bit, every, Lord God, every just... Just increase faith in this place. Increase peace in this place, Lord God. And fill us with your Holy Spirit as we leave today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. Get to know some people. Man, and worship Jesus this week. Man, it's real season, not preseason. God bless you guys.